Prophecy Club. I'm about to do something I've never done before. I'm about to stretch my comfort zone. As uh, I've talked to one of my friends today, and he said, well, Stan, he said, everything is kind of going to video and all this YouTube stuff. And he said, you need to start as much as you can recording yourself as you make the radio program. And I thought, yeah, great. That means i got to clean off my desk, brush my hair, actually, <laughs> you know, clean up rather than just taking advantage of radio. So uh, I'm, a, I'm going to try to put this on video. And so you folks out there that only listen to the radio program, this one might sound a little strange because I'm going to be assuming that you're also looking at the video. And yes, you can go to our YouTube channel and you can watch this video. I think you can also find it on Vimeo. Check with prophecyclub.com. I don't think I probably need to find out how to go about telling you how to watch the video now that I'm going to a lot of trouble to actually make it. So anyway, our topic today is going to be Bible. The Bible says that oil will make Israel great again. We hear Trump say that he is going to make America great again. Well, the Bible says that oil is going to make Israel great again. And we also have about 8,000 new YouTube subscribers. We had that radio program. Uh, the title was, Are 44,000 Marines About to Round Up 10,000 U.S. Leadership? It went viral I think uh, it's getting up pretty close to 200,000 views it's had now. So we picked up a lot of YouTube uh, subscribers and viewers. So I probably need to introduce myself just a little bit since there are many people that are listening in now watching that haven't heard us before. So the first question I probably need to answer before I go into today's topic is why should I listen to you? So why have you earned the right to be talking about oil or Israel or Bible prophets or anything else? Well, Jesus, when he was answering the Jews, said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing, John eight fifty four. Well, let me just make this crystal clear. I honor him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. My heart, my objective is to build the kingdom of God. John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country my motto is, ask not what God can do for you, but ask what you could do for the kingdom of God. So with that, a little bit of introduction. With the help of God, I've been studying Bible prophecy 34 years, and that's a story about how I got into that. Teaching Bible prophecy for some 30 years, doing radio program on it for some 24 years, organized thousands of meetings on Bible prophecy, hosted about 160 speakers, making about 336 DVDs. I personally am about to make my 36th DVD. I grew up in West Texas and the oil patch, but I practically know nothing about the oil business. I didn't want to know anything about the oil business. Had no interest in the oil business. But now here I are in it. <laughs> but uh, I believe that God uh, has a sense of humor. But uh, you see, if it's me, if I'm something important, if I can do it, then that's one thing. But if he can do it, that's quite something else. First of all, let me give you a disclaimer. Nothing I'm saying in this presentation should be deemed an offering of a security or a solicitation for you to buy a security. Any such thing can only be done through legal prospectus, such as a private placement document approved by the company. My statements are my personal views and opinions and are not 
a legal representation or promise. Any legal representation or relationship would only include a business relationship or investment, and that is only done through proper legal documents, and this extends through all past, present, and future radio programs and Internet programs every place the Prophecy Club goes. Also, I want to say I have not been affiliated with any other oil company in any decision-making capacity and cannot speak for their business matters. I made three DVDs concerning oil. The first one was Prophecies of Oil in Israel. And, of course, as I think about that, I also made another one I didn't even include there. Uh, uh, from Armageddon, the, uh, the, the road, well, I can't remember. There, I made another one. <laughs> made too many DVDs. Anyway, Prophecies of Oil in Israel, Prophecies, more Prophecies of Oil in Israel, and Asher's Secret Prophecies of Oil in Israel. So let's talk about the beginning of how this vision to find oil and give oil to Israel began. And I'm not talking about with me. I'm talking about all the way back to the Bible. Let's begin to go by or by going to Genesis 12:3, And it says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, Hebrew words are important. And there are different words mean different things. In other words, like, for example, what does run mean? Well, is that something paint does, or is that something your nose does, or is that something a person does when their legs move real fast? So words mean things. They have different meanings. Same thing with Hebrew. If we want to understand when God is speaking about Hebrew or speaking about crude oil rather than olive oil, we got to understand those Hebrew words, words. So let's start with that. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Hebrew words for crude oil in the Bible. I've found, and I've done, as you can see here, I've done a lot of research on this, Sheman, which is spelled, this is the English word in the King James Version, S-H-E-M-E-N, is found 192 times. And it almost always means olive oil. Only seven times it means crude oil, 185 times olive oil. And then Shaman with an H excuse me, with an A, S-H-A-M-E-N, that's only found 11 times. And it occasionally means crude oil. One time crude oil, the other 10 times the word is fat. Um, and it is never used as olive oil. So anytime you find shaman, S-H-A-M-E-N, it's always talking about crude oil. Now, the reason I say this is because some people uh, believe and have been taught that, oh, that's all talking about olive oil. Well, I'm going to show you that's not talking. Some of it, many of it, is not talking about olive oil, talking about crude oil. Then there's another word, mashman. Well, mashman is found actually only seven times in the Bible, and it is often used as crude oil. Uh, it is three times crude oil, four times the word is interpreted as fat, fatness, or fattest. But it is never interpreted as olive oil. Then the fourth word is chemar, C-H-E-M-A-R. It's only found three times in the Bible, and it is always, 100% time, referred to as crude oil. So for our information today, we want to look at shaman, mashman, and chemar. We don't want to look at sheman because that's almost always talking about olive oil. Now, as you can tell here by seeing these uh, many verses that I have looked up, these are all the verses, some 192 verses that have to do with Sheman. You can see the yellow ones, that's the ones 
that has to do with Greece. Not very many of them. Same thing with shaman. These are the verses having to do with shaman. These are the verses of Mashman. Then these are the verses for Kemar. Uh, just to let you know, I've done my homework. I spent a lot of time on this. So, the first hint, crude oil will bless Israel, was found in Genesis 14.10. And it's dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, the veil of Sedim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. Well, the word Sedim has to do with salt. In other words, the Valley of Salt. Of course, I've been there, and there are mountains, literally mountains of salt there. The Valley of Salt, or the Valley of Sedim, was full of slime pits. Now, that word slime pits specifically is talking about crude oil. Kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies. Remember the guy in the opener was shooting at some food, and up comes some bu bubbling crude. Well, what happens in some cases is crude just bubbles out of the surface and just runs all over and it pools up. And, of course, some of it evaporates, much of it evaporates if it's really good oil. But it leaves a slime pit. And this is occasion where the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were running and they were trying to get away from people trying to kill them. And they fell into these slime pits. Well, I've got some pictures I'm going to show you in just a minute of those slime pits because I've been there. Hayseed Stevens showed me what we believe are those slime pits. First of all, another story. This is a story that was put forth in a magazine, and it's called Bulls from the Sea. It's talking about Josephus and the history of the Dead Sea. The article says Josephus affirms that the sea, that's meaning the asphaltic lake, as in asphalt, as in uh, what they put on the highways, what they make the highways out of the sea, the asphaltic lake, in many places send a, sends up black masses of asphaltum. This is Josephus speaking. Having the form and the size of headless oxen. Now, I have to understand, things were a lot bigger back then. So what we think about a giant oxen that may weigh a couple of thousand pounds, they were probably that big or bigger. In other words, this probably about the size of a Volkswagen. All right. So this, what happens is the oil underneath the Dead Sea would leak out. Now, things like butane, propane, gasoline, anything that can evaporate as this oil starts oozing out of the bottom of this uh, heavy salt-covered, mineral-covered water, when it's leaking out of the bottom of this lake, anything that can evaporate does evaporate. And so what you get is kind of like a giant, for lack of a better word down there, a pimple, okay? And it keeps growing and growing and growing until finally, because it is oil is lighter than uh, water, then it floats. So eventually this big giant um, ball of crude oil gets so big and so buoyant, especially in the heaviest water on earth, which is the Dead Sea water, Eventually, it just becomes so buoyant, it breaks off. And so it floats to the top of the sea. And that's what this particular uh, article is talking about. It's talking about how these bulls from the sea, these giant, big, round bits of, we would call it tar today, or they called it bitumen, they float up to the surface. Now, here's what the article's saying. Didorius Seculus relates that the bitumen, was thrown up in masses, covering sometimes two or three flethura, or acres, having the appearance of islands. Uh, 
After the earthquake of 1834, a large quantity of asphaltum was cast upon the southwest part of the lake. After the 1837 earthquake, which destroyed Safed, a large bit of bitumen, parenthesis, one said the size of an island and another says about the size of a house. Now, not the size houses we have today. They were much larger or much smaller. But I'm going to say what we would probably say today is about the size of a Volkswagen. Probably a small size car, maybe even to a large size car. But this giant chunk of tar, they float up to the surface. All right, so when they float up to the surface, this is where they float to. This is a picture of the Dead Sea. This is an ancient map, and I've circled Lake Asphaltitus. That's what it was called back then. Today we call it the Dead Sea, but back then in the old maps, it was called Asphaltitus. That's the way you pronounce it. Why? Because oil was underneath it, leaking out into the water, making these big giant tars. Exodus 3.8 says, And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land into a good land, a large and land flowing, there's the key word, flowing with milk and honey. Well, we understand that those verses are talking about when... Uh, uh, Moses stood in front of the burning bush. This is God speaking audibly to him. But the point I want to point out here is that God is saying that oil flows because we believe the milk is representing natural gas and honey means yellow-colored crude oil. I'll get to that later in the presentation. And if you look through the Hebrew words for number 2100, and that's the Hebrew, or that's the uh, Strong's reference number for the word flowing. You see that this is the various ways, the, the 2100 Hebrew word, the Strong's reference number representing flowing is interpreted. Issue, floweth, flowing, gushed, running, issue, pine, run. Meaning, oil does flow. reason I say that is because some people are taught that in, underneath the surface that there is a finite amount of oil, and when that oil is gone, it's all gone. Uh, that's not correct either. We're going to get to that later in it too. But the point is I want to make right now, oil moves. Oil flows. It flows under the surface like a river. Like water flows under the surface, so does oil. That's an important point. When we went to Israel, and I've been there I think 11 times, if you are looking at the video here, you're looking at a road that leads to what we believe is the slime pit where the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fell into the slime pit. This is a picture of a group of people, and you can see Leslie on the right side, me squatting down in the center there holding my hat, my little uh, Indiana Jones hats. <laughs> also off to the left, you'll notice uh, wearing the yellow top with the hat on, that's Bree Keaton and her son behind her. They all went to the uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, you notice that I've got the sign covered here because I don't want to reveal where this is, but that sign tells you where this is located. But let's go on. This is on the road to see the oil seep at the city of Sodom. These are some of the people heading down to look at it. And what you're looking at here is a ravine. Up on the right, you see rocks. Up to the left, you'll see that in just a second, is rocks. But down in the valley is where the water flows. And as the water flows, 
you can see along there where various places where even today, some, I don't know, what, 4,000 4, some odd years later, 5,000 years later, oil is still seeping out of the side. Watch. If you look closely, I put yellow arrows here where you can see oil, even as we were there. It's oozing. Now, of course, it's, it's dried to, to tar because when oil, as it gets closer to the surface, things like propane and butane and even gasoline, the lighter uh, hydrocarbons, they call them, begin to float to the surface and evaporate. So what, by the time it actually gets to the surface, unless it's really flowing fast, what you get is tar. Here's some more pictures of tar just oozing out of the side of the ravine there. More pictures of just tar. Of course, we were there, and you can put your fingernail down in it. You can feel. You can smell it. There's tar. And uh, here's a picture of Leslie where there's a little drip that's about looks like it's about the length of her finger coming down out of the side of a ravine, and she's reaching, reaching it up. And they're all over. There's hundreds of them. And the matter of fact, we had little uh, containers that we provided for the people. They didn't know that we had brought them. And we just allowed them to snap off those little fingers of these little oil fingers where oil was oozing out of the side of the rock. Here's a close-up picture of it where oil's just oozing out. She just snaps it off. Here's another picture. You can see all along there a whole uh, line of this oil where it's oozing out of here. The point I'm trying to make is, A, oil flows, B, that this is the slime pit, and C, that oil is in Israel. Here's another picture of me showing you another place where oil is oozing out of the side of the ravine there. And here's another picture of the ravine. You can see um, mountains on the left, mountains to the right. There's Leslie in the foreground holding up her bottle of water. You see, <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> Southwest end of the Dead Sea in Israel, it's all desert and it's hot. And just about everybody you see has got a bottle of water in their hand all the time. And here's another picture. And this picture actually shows the Dead Sea. Of course, this is where water rolls down out of the mountains into the Dead Sea. And here's another picture. This is uh, one of the brown signs that is, uh, you know, it, it shows you where you're going. And this particular sign says in three different letters, uh, three different languages, one of them, of course, is uh, Hebrew, another one is English, and it says Lot's wife. And this is a picture of Lot's wife. Well, it's not really Lot's wife, but it's a picture of where a large chunk that uh, kind of looks like it might be a person. Of course, it's about the size of a, a small building, but nevertheless, and it's broken off up there high on, and this, big, this is a big salt dome. It's not dirt. It's not rocks. It's not marble. It's a giant chunk of salt that has peeled off the side of this big salt dome. And uh, you're, you're looking at a picture of it. And there's a close-up picture of it. And here's where the salt, you can see it. Salt is just peeling off in layers out of this big salt dome. Here's another picture of another sign that says Mount Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's a picture of Leslie and I. And in the background, you see Jerusalem. You can see the uh, Mosque of Omar there, the, uh, uh, the the Dome of the Rock. And I see that Leslie looks much younger there. <laughs> and so do I. <laughs> so anyway, uh, here's some other people. Now we're walking around Sodom and Gomorrah. This one of the ladies that found a big piece of ash. And, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah was covered with these 
balls of sulfur. And here's another picture of her holding up. And, and you can just crush this, what, what used to be rocks and things like that, that they made their houses out of. But this sulfur, these, this brimstone, balls of sulfur just landed on the whole area there and turned it all into ash. Here's another picture in the foreground. In the very back part, you see there's mountains that are brown, but where Gomorrah was, it's not brown. It's yellow from the sulfur. The whole city was turned kind of a, a light yellow. But in the very center of this picture, if you look there, you see this yellow pillar. It's kind of a sphinx shape. And what the people are doing is walking around out here. You see people in this valley. They're walking around uh, what is now a dry riverbed, and they're looking for sulfur balls. I have a uh, about the cigar box size uh, filled with them. I've got them from nickel size all the way up to the size of your fist. Here's another picture of people up there. And we what we did is we would drive up in the bus and uh, open the door and just let people. We would spend a couple of hours letting them walk all over. Um, we believe the, the city that we were in was Gomorrah. Uh, some people think it's Sodom, but it was, we think it's probably Gomorrah. And they're just walking all over with their bags. And they're, it's kind of like Easter egg hunting. They're picking up sulfur balls all over the place. And just because you think you picked them all up this time, well, it rains. And there's a whole other set of them that are revealed. And this is a picture, a closer picture of that sphinx shape. All right, now for the pictures now, let's talk about the prophecies of oil in Israel and how this all began with Abraham in roughly 1910 B.C. Abraham had Ishmael, Genesis 16, 11 and 12 says, And the angel of the Lord said, He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. And, of course, they do today. Then Isaac comes along. And Isaac was the good seed. And we know, according to the Bible, that Ishmael was the bad seed. But both of them are prophesied to be blessed. So then out of Isaac, Isaac's son, he had Esau and Jacob. Jacob, well, Isaac, in his prophecy, which we'll get to here in a little bit, at least part of it, and I'm going to tell you right up front, there's a lot of this presentation that I had to take out because there are many things I'm not ready to reveal, things like where the Bible says the oil is located and things like where the Bible says the oil is located and the right map that tells you where the oil is located and the right scripture that tells you the map so that you know where the oil is located. <laughs> So I'm not ready to reveal that yet. But after we have our license and after we have hit oil, then we will say, okay. As a matter of fact, I'm using part of the presentation that I, I had planned once we hit oil to reveal all of this. But anyway, I'm so still bringing it out. So Esau, Genesis 26:34 says, And Esau took a wife, Judith and Beshemoth, which were a grief of the mind, and Isaac and to Rebekah. So there's a good seed and there's a bad seed. Coming out of Abraham was the bad seed of Ishmael. Coming out of Isaac was the bad seed of Esau. Coming out of Abraham, the good seed was Isaac and then Jacob. And then, of course, Jacob, the ones that got oil 
prophesied to them were Asher, Zebulun, Issachar, Judah, Joseph, and Gad. And then, of course, Moses also gives a prophecy about oil, and we may get to that one. Now let's go to Genesis 27.1. And he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, Go out into the field and take, and make me, and, and take me some venison, and make me some savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. But of course we know the story, and the blessings were reversed. Then we jump to Genesis twenty-seven twenty-eight. Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness. This is Jacob's blessing. Of course, Jacob, the supplanter, came in and got the first and the best blessing. And the fatness of the earth and the plenty of corn and the wine. So here's our first case of the word mashman. Now, nobody, well, in my opinion, nobody should look at that and think that's talking about olive oil. It's not talking about olive oil. It's talking about crude oil. Let me read it again. Therefore, God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness. We think that means crude oil, the crude oil of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine to let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. That is, unless you think there's going to be a great big olive oil shortage across the world, so much so that because Israel has olive oil, that people will begin to serve Israel and the nations will bow down to Israel because of their olive oil. It's not olive oil. It's crude oil. Then in Genesis twenty-seven, thirty-eight, Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing? And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth. So, yes, Esau was also given the blessing, but it's not as much. But if you look today at the Middle East, who has more oil, the Jews or the Arabs? <laughs> well, understand that one of these days, not only will Jews be given the oil, but because they are the first, he received the firstborn blessing, though he wasn't the firstborn, but he received the firstborn blessing. The firstborn blessing is double. I'll say again, double what the rest of the children are given. That means that one of these days, Israel is going to get twice as much oil. Behold, thy dwelling should be the fatness of the earth. This again, the prophecy to Esau. And of the dew of heaven from above, and by thy sword shalt thou live, and shall serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass that when thou shalt have the dominion, thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. That prophecy has been fulfilled exactly. Because Esau and all of his descendants are pretty much vagabonds, tent dwellers. They lived in the desert. They lived off of goats and weeds and dirt and sand and rocks. But their jewelry was an AK-47 hung around their neck or a sword, and they live by their sword or by their AK-47. And if they're not killing each other, which they are doing most of the time, they're killing you. That's the way they live. But it also says that when thou shalt have the dominion, I believe that means when you discover oil. When you discover oil, then you're going to be able to throw off the... Uh, the yoke of your brother from off your neck. Now let's go to Joseph's prophecy to his 12 sons. 
As you can see, Jacob had these 12 sons, and Dan, Benjamin, Naphtali, Simeon, Reuben, Levi, they didn't have any prophecies of oil coming from Jacob. But Jacob does prophesy oil to Gad, Issachar, Judah, Aser, Manasseh, Joseph, Ephraim, and Zebulun. Now let's look at some of those scriptures that are specifically prophesying about them. So let's I put some other scriptures here where I'm going to cover. I just want to cover the first one here. Genesis 49.1. Here's the situation. And Jacob called to his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what should befall you in the last days. So what happens? Well, he begins to prophesy, and you see the X's, and he's not prophesying there much to those people. But when he comes down to verse 20, it's real big. It says, out of Asher, his bread should be fat, as in greasy, fat as in rich, and he shall yield royal dainties, as in delicacy or pleasure from a, or for a king. Then Genesis 49.22 says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. And we're going to skip ben- Benjamin for right now. I just want to show you what we're doing. But before I get into this, let me give you a disclaimer. I understand Revelation 22.19 says that if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. So I'm not trying to take away from the scriptures. I'm not trying to correct King James or any of that. I'm not trying to say my interpretation to thus saith the Lord. I'm just simply saying this helps me to understand what it might be. Now let me explain to you what we're doing. You're looking at what I love. This is my Bible program, as you see down in the bottom right-hand corner. It's uh, called Verse Search. It's made by a company out of Austin, Texas, Bible Research Systems. And if I pull up Genesis 49:22, you see it says, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. Now, if I want to look at the Hebrew words and understand that a little deeper, I push F10, and this is what it pulls up. On the left side, you see that like 3130, that's a Strong's reference number. And the word there in the Hebrew is Joseph. Then over to the right, you where it says Yosef. And that means let him add. So the word Joseph means let him add. Now, if I want to look up the word fruitful, then I push F10 again. I just push the down arrow and it shows me 65 09 is a strong reference number for fruitful, and it means to bear fruit. And if I go to the next one, it's bow, and it has a son. If you go on and do that through several of them, then what I've done is taken the word, and across the top is the King James meaning, and then I put the direct meanings on the right side. So like Joseph is, let him add. Then you see fruitful, to bear fruit, bow, a son or nation. So down the right side is the meaning. These are the direct meanings. So those words, the direct meanings in the Hebrew is, let him add to bear fruit, son or nation, to bear fruit, son or nation, spiritually in sight, a son or nation, gush to move forward, run over, wall. Then on the bottom, I look at the Hebrew words in light of all of the other prophecies about oil in Israel, and I'm not trying to change the Bible again, I'm trying to simply put it into my own words, what it seems to mean to me in light of all of the other prophecies uh, having to do with oil. And what it seems to be saying to me, I would word it this way. Within Joseph will be two fruitful nations, 
that by a fountain will expand and run over a wall. Now, King James says Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well. Now, is he talking about that there's a bow by a well, or is he saying that a well, as in an oil well, makes them fruitful? Well, it makes sense to me, since the whole point of this prophecy is to be blessing his children. It makes sense to me that it's talking about blessings. So I word it this way. Within Joseph will be two fruitful nations that by a fountain will expand and run over a wall. Then we go to Genesis forty nine twenty three, And it says, The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Well, that doesn't say much about oil, now does it? You look at the words on the side, the Hebrew words, our masters have been bitter and angry and shot and persecuted him. That didn't say much either. But this is the way I interpret it. Masters have been bitter and angry and attacked and persecuted him. Now, in light of the next verse, it makes more sense. Now, I'm going to skip the top. You see here what I'm doing. Now, I'm going to go right on to my understanding. Your military will ambush using strength. Your hands will be made strong by Almighty God from Jacob will come the shepherd, the stone of Israel. The God of your fathers will protect and bless you and give you prosperity from heaven above. Prosperity coming from the abyss that will gush from underneath, squirting prosperity like the breasts of a fair maiden or the bulging breasts of a fair maiden. That makes more sense, doesn't it? Here's another example. As we look at these two words, we're looking at Genesis 29 or 49:25. Strong's reference number on the left is 76.99, and it means breasts. Over on the right, uh, Strong's reference number 73.56 is wound. Well, in terms of oil, as it relates to oil, which word kind of fits better, womb or maiden? It uh, makes sense to me that probably more maiden, because I don't know that their blessings comes from the womb in terms of making all other nations bow down to them. That would probably be sounding more like oil to me. Now let's look at the prophecies to Zebulun and Issachar. Deuteronomy 33.18 says, And of Zebulun he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out, and Issachar in thy tents. So then we look up the verses. King James says, Deuteronomy thirty-three nineteen, They shall call the people into the mountain, there they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hid in the sands. Well, that sounds like a pretty good prophecy. But my version would say it this way, I will call my people to the mountain, there they shall offer, offer righteousness, and I will give them prosperity as in sucked milk, resources from the sea, and concealed and hidden in the sand. Same words, just sort of moved around. You might be saying, well, Stanley, you're kind of making it say something that it's really not saying. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to help us to see if this is talking about oil in Israel, and I believe that many of them, if not most of them, are. Now let's start talking about the prophecies having to do with Gad the tribe of Gad. And we're going to start with Deuteronomy 33:25. Now again, King James says, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. And if you take those words directly into Hebrew, the words are shoe, iron, 
copper or gold or something made a day quite. In light of all the other prophecies, the way I would say that, again, this is not trying to change King James, is not trying to change the Bible. These are my guesses based upon the, all the other prophecies, and I'm trying to look and see if, if this prophecy is perhaps talking about oil in Israel. And what it sounds to me like it could say is your shoes will be iron and will bless you all of your days. Now, of course, there are prophecies, many of them, that says Israel will get back to the land. She will be the dominant nation on earth. She will be the head, not the tail, and many other ones. So that fits. Now, let's go on. Now, I'm just going to skip right to the bottom. My interpretation would be, again, this is, I'm not trying to say this is Bible, okay? The eternal Elohim, your refuge, will give you strength concealed in the deep, and strengthen your arm to drive out your adversaries from your face, and will sh- will say, destroy them. And as you all know, I'm a very big King James supporter. I'm not trying to say King James is wrong. What I'm trying to say is it could be that this is what God was trying to say. I know that kind of sounds contradictory, but I love King James. I just can't say anything bad about King James. Let's go on. Israel will live in a place of refuge and divide the foundation of Jacob, gathering the earth's increase like grape juice squirted out. The sky will drop double blessings. Now, that's a little bit different than Israel. Then she'll drive in safely alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine, also as heaven shall drop down dew. Similar, not exactly the same words. Now, again, King James on the left my guess is on the right. We'll look at mine on the right. Deuteronomy 33:18. This is the prophecies to Zebulun and Issachar. I will call my people to my mountain. I believe that that's referring to Mount Sinai. I believe that that's talking about a time when the middle of the tribulation, when Satan is cast out of the earth, he's cast down to the earth, and uh, the dragon casts water over his mouth. There's a flood after the woman to carry that the woman be carried away, and the earth open up her mouth and help the woman. And then the devil sees, to summarize it, that he's being defeated. And so he goes to make uh, war against the people that have remained in Jerusalem that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is referring to the time when they see the abomination of desolation. They leave Jerusalem, run about 216 miles straight south to real Mount Sinai. I will call my, my people to my mountain. That's my mountain. That's Mount Sinai. There they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness. Now, notice this righteousness is not offer sacrifices of animals. So, again, these are Christians. These are people that have the testimony of Jesus, keep the commandments of God, and are unwilling to take the mark of the beast. And I will give them prosperity, sucked, or milk, resources from the sea, and concealed and hidden in the sand. Your shoes will be iron and will bless you all of your days. Skipping into verse 28, Israel will live in a place of safety and protected by the fountain of Jacob. Gathering in the fountain of Jacob, I think, is referring to oil. Gathering the earth's increase like grape juice squirted out. The sky shall give drops of blessings. All sounds like oil. Again, that's the way I'm interpreting it. You want to look at the King James, it's on the left side. Verse 28, Israel will live in a place of safety 
and protected by the fountain of Jacob. And this may very well be the fountain of Jacob, grape juice squirted out of the sky. Or protected by, here's a different way of looking at it, different uh, picture there. Again, these are old pictures of how they used to let oil gush. Isaiah predictions. These come from the book of Isaiah. This is what Isaiah predicts about oil. Again, King James on the left, my guesses on the right. Everyone rejoice with Jerusalem and be happy with her. All ye that love her be bright and cheerful, all that have mourned for her. Israel will suck oil or milk like from a breast. In my compassion I will give you luxury like a full breast in great splendor. For thus saith the Lord, I will spread wealth from a river of oil, and the glory of the Gentiles will come to you for a splendid gushing stream. Lift and suck oil, and your adversaries will fall to their knees. As a mother comforts, so I will comfort you in Jerusalem. And when you see this, your heart will be bright and cheerful, your substance will break forth like a sprout, and the hand of the Lord will be enraged against your enemies. This is a picture of what Spindletop looked like 90 days after the discovery. And I personally think that this may very well be how parts of Israel look like after massive amounts of oil is discovered in it also. Now let's look at what the prophet Jeremiah has said about oil in Israel. Jeremiah 33, 7. And I will cause the captivity. Now you look up that word in the Hebrew and it means wealth. It doesn't mean jail. It means return to a former state of prosperity. I will cause the captivity or wealth of Judah and the captivity or wealth of Israel to return. And I will build them as at the first. Well, Israel used to be very, very wealthy. Remember the days of Solomon? Also, there's a lot of people that believe that in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was very, very wealthy. It's one of the reasons that Sodom and Gomorrah fell into so much sin because they were so overblessed, kind of like America is today. Verse 8, And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all of their iniquities. That matches Jeremiah 50, verse 20, where it says, And the sins of Israel were sought for, and there were none. And the sins of Judah were sought for, and none were found, for I will pardon whom I will reserve. I will pardon all of their iniquities. I believe that happens near the time of Armageddon, about now. Whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. Jeremiah 33, 9, and it shall be to me, this is one of the big verses, a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, meaning Israel, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure or that I arrange or that I give unto it, unto Israel. Now, here's the way we would say that. And it shall be to me a great joy to be able to watch all of the nations as they observe how I bless Israel, so much so that all of the nations are going to fear and tremble because of all of the goodness and the prosperity that I give Israel through crude oil. Now, I know there's some people that believe all all those oil verses in the Bible, they aren't talking about crude oil, they're talking about olive oil. Okay, so I'll ask you. Do you think that olive oil could cause the nations of the world to fear and tremble Israel? Maybe there's a real big olive oil shortage for several years. Whereas 
Israel has an abundance of olive oil. So are all of the world's nations going to fear and tremble because Israel has all the olive oil? I don't think so. That's talking about crude oil, brothers and sisters. That's talking about crude oil, which is what most of the modern 20th century wars, 21st century wars, have and will be fought over is over oil. Jeremiah thirty-three eleven, For I will cause to return the captivity, and that means a former state of prosperity. I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. Verse 14, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing. What good thing? I believe that's referring to Exodus 3.8. When Moses was standing in front of the burning bush and God says, get you up, I'm sending you into land flowing with milk and honey. That's the good promise. And well, let me just say this. Remember my disclaimer, but I believe it, I believe that there's one thing God has laid in my heart is when we hit oil, when we make arrangements with Israel, one of the things I want to be able to say to him is that this is fulfilling the promise of Jeremiah thirty three fourteen, that says, I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto Israel, meaning the milk and honey. In other words, I want to be able to tell Israel that this is Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, fulfilling his promise that he made to Moses in front of the burning bush when he said, Get you up, I'm sending you a land that flows with milk and honey. And we'll talk about it here later, but I believe the milk is referring to natural gas and honey is referring to yellow crude oil. I perform, I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. That's real big prophecy. Deuteronomy 32.13, this is one of the biggest of all prophecies when you understand it. He made him to ride upon the high places of the earth. Now, that doesn't mean that Israel is going to all get a bunch of motorcycles and go riding up on top of the tops of the mountains in Israel. That's not what he's talking about. In other words, he's talking about that Israel is going to be lifted up to be one of, if not the, wealthiest, strongest, most powerful, most influential nations in the world. That's what it's saying. He made him to ride upon the high places of the earth. And how does he do it? That he might eat the increase of the fields. We don't think that's wheat, barley. I mean, wheat and barley is not going to make Israel the strongest nation on earth. That's talking about oil fields, you see. Eat the increase of fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Now, what kind of bee honey do you get out of a rock? Answer, none. Bees don't make nests inside rocks. However, oil comes out of rocks, and especially out of flint rock. That's one of the best rocks to get oil coming out of. You see, oil, to may surprise you, I remember when I was a young man, I used to think that there were these big cavities down in the earth, these, these caverns that contained oil. That's not the way it works. It's still solid. It's just that it's inside the rock. It's porous. Or try to think of it as a big sponge. And that rock, or that oil, pours through the rock. That's what we're talking about. And he made him to suck honey. Now, let's talk about honey for just a second. We're going to get more into it in just a second. There's five colors of honey. Or excuse me, there's five colored crude oil. And the highest quality crude oil, I've got a picture of it here in just a minute. Highest quality crude oil is um, yellow. It's actually, it looks like honey. And it's called Bonnie Light. And when he says honey, oh, here, here we go. 
I keep that on my desk. You see, it's kind of yellow on the bottom. I see that kind of leaked out there a little bit. I guess I have to re-tighten it. I thought it was tight. Anyway, keep that on my desk. That's yellow crude oil. Smells real bad. Man, I didn't know I had that. <laughs> I thought it was tight. I just opened it up the other day for something. Ish. A little bit of real-world stuff there for you. So I'll tighten it later. Anyway, that he made him to eat the increase of the fields, the oil fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. But Jeshurun, that's another word for Israel, waxed fat. That word fat is not talking about olive oil. That word there is referring to crude oil. Means Israel became oil rich. That's the way we would say it. And kicked. What does that mean? It means this. They have strength to fight their other nations. And, of course, that's what Leslie was told. Uh, I'm looking at it here. April 15, 2002. Uh, she was told seven points on a, on a prophecy that uh, Arafat would go into the hospital. Happened two years later. Israel will give the Palestinians a state. Palestinian state be a temporary measure to allow the Israelis time to strengthen their military. Oil will be discovered in Israel. The oil will make the Jews willing to fight for the land. Then Israel and America will go against the rest of the Arab world. January 22 of 06, she was spoken to audibly and given seven newspaper headlines leading to the fall of America. Now, this is the order she heard them in. This is not necessarily the order they will be fulfilled in. She heard, Israel refuses help to America. Catastrophe hits America. Omer ushers in Palestinian state. One of America's greatest times of need. Israel has attacked America, sends troops. Chaos reigns as Americans protest help to Israel. Then she said she heard my voice quoting Dimitri, the fall of America will start with an internal revolution started by the communists. So when it says kicked, it means that, that military, the military is going to be built up. That takes money. And I think that the money for the military for Israel to build up, to be victorious in World War III is going to come from oil. I personally suspect that it will be some, maybe not all, but some of the oil we find will actually help Israel to be victorious in their World War III battle. So Israel, or Jesharin, waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen. In other words, you become become this way. So we're saying thou art waxen. Thou art become fat. Uh, not fat in a bad way as in lazy and not doing anything, but you become wealthy, you see. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. <laughs> in other words, she's covered with oil wells. That's what it's saying to me. Isaiah 58, 14. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Means that many, not all, but many of the Israelis will turn to the Lord their God. Delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. That's the second. Now, that's another thing. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Anytime it's a major doctrinal point. Anytime God wants to guarantee something, he always says it twice. Always. Always, always, always. When I started memorizing Revelation, one of the things that I noticed became rather annoying is how many things were repeated. For example, one place it says, and he will uh, fight, and, and he will fight the him that sitteth on, on the horse, but he that sitteth on the horse will overcome him because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. A couple of chapters later, he says, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. One place it's Lord of lords, King of kings. Next place is King of kings, Lord of lords. Does that a lot. 
Here is a case where basically the same thing said, not only in different places in the Bible, but different people in the Bible. One Deuteronomy, one Isaiah, but they're saying the same thing. In other words, this is a guarantee. When God says something twice, it's a guarantee. Want a, a check to find out if that dream was really from God? Pray this. Not out loud, but pray it in your heart, Lord. If that dream was from you, let me have it again. Let me dream it again. Happens again, then you can probably take that one to the bank. But many of the dreams that we get today are really dreams of warning, meaning I don't want this to come to happen, but if you don't make some changes, this is the direction you're heading. Now let's go on. This is my summary based upon some 120 verses out there. All of the oil verses. In the last days, I will give Israel the hidden treasures of yellow crude oil sucked from rock deep in the land. I will cause the nations to fear and tremble at the wealth, the milk and honey, or gas and oil promised to Moses. With it, I will build the waste cities, making Israel the glory of all lands, the best land on earth, returning Israel to her former state of wealth and prosperity. That's my summary. I think it's pretty accurate. All right, let's talk about crude oil as it relates to pre-flood plants and animals. Or is crude oil really a continual process deep inside the earth? I can tell you right now that Lindsay Williams and I both agree <laughs> that it is not from pre-flood plants and animals. If it was pre-flood plants and animals, we'd have been out of it a long time ago. There's many reasons for that, which I don't have time to go into today, but we believe it's actually created down deep in the earth, deeper than mankind can drill, where it's actually created. They estimate someplace in the 25-mile down area, and it's created from processes that are taking place along with the rotation of the earth. One example is there's many, many, many cases where holes have been uh, would come in at, say, 50 barrels a day, and they would pump it out over a process of years. And then the hole would go dry, so they'd cap it. And some along, someone come along five, ten years later and uncap it, and lo and behold, 50 barrels a day again for a while. Well, did they kill some more dinosaurs and stuff it down the hole? No. It's just that more oil was produced from down beneath and flowed into that formation. Let's go on, though. You see, this is a theory. They call it peak oil theory, and it was created by the oil companies. Why? Supply and demand. If everybody thinks that there's plenty of oil, then they want a low price. But if everybody is taught by the news and newspapers and things like that, that there is a finite amount of oil, and when it is gone, it's all gone, and then the earth is just going to get cold. Well, that's the peak oil theory. I don't believe in that. And they, they also believe in a biotic theory, means plants and animals. Uh, they say that it's no longer being created. Pre-flood plants and animals is what made it. This is the red curve here, what the oil company plan is to increase prices. However, what I and Lindsay Williams also believe, and many other people I might add, is what we call the abiotic theory, meaning it is constantly created. It is not part of the pre-flood plants and animals. And there's a lot of cases for that. Let's go on. Essentially, as you know, you've probably taught in school, this is the way the earth is created. The mantle, the liquid outer core, solid inner core, 
However, that mantle is pretty thick. There are different levels within it. The water level, oil level, source oil, somewhere 2,000, 3,000 feet down. I believe it's actually created probably more in the ballpark of 25 miles. That's where it's actually created. West Texas oil is generally discovered at about the 4,000-foot level. They also, I also believe that as the oil moves through the cracks and crevices, the things of that oil that can evaporate, butane, propane, gasoline, uh, many of those, they will begin to evaporate, leaving something more on the order of tar. So sometimes if it's old oil, that's pretty thick. It's kind of like what they put on the roads out there. However, if you can get the newer oil and the deeper oil, meaning, this is my point, the deeper you have to drill to get the oil, the higher quality. Because the lower quality oil is thick like tar, the higher quality oil is light like uh, alcohol. This is, see the viscosity, it moves all around. This is actually a, a viscosity close to alcohol. Um, this is so pure that I could pour this in my car, uh, probably ping, but it, it would burn straight out of the ground. The Russians drilled the world's deepest oil well called the Sakhalin 1. Drilled to 40,502 feet, which is 7.6 miles deep. One of the things I want to do is the rigs that we want to take to Israel, I don't want to take any small rigs. I chuckle when somebody says, well, there's the rig we're going to drill the oil well is, and it's on it's on one truck. Look, look the, the truck, the, the rig that Hayseed wanted to take and the rig we want to take is at least that big, if not bigger. Was eight, it, it, it took 180 18-wheel trucks to move it, four city blocks at the base, 22 stories tall. Okay, you don't get that on one truck. <laughs> I mean, it's the size of a pretty good-sized building on. 30 oil versus found. Now, I'm only going to show you a few. We've kind of already covered a lot of those, uh, but I'll just show you a, a few of them. And this is only a few because I'm skipping the very best ones. Obviously, I'm not going to tell where the location is. And, and I'll tell you, I believe I've found the verse. When you couple it with the correct map, I'm not going to show that either, pretty much tells you where the oil is located. I'm talking about the massive amounts of oil, but I'm not releasing that. That's another one of my revelations. Not releasing that yet, obviously. So where does the Bible say that Israel is the best land on earth? Two places. As I said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Ezekiel 20, verse 6. And in that day that I lifted up mine hand unto them, to bring them forth of the land of Egypt into a land that I have spied from them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Now, I've been to Israel, and it doesn't look <laughs> like the... I love Israel, okay, but it doesn't look like the glory of all lands. There's a lot of lands more beautiful than Israel, because the value of Israel is not what's on the surface. What's on the surface looks, looks like a bunch of rocks and dirt. I mean, almost nothing grows there. But the value of Israel, it is what is beneath that counts. Ezekiel 20, verse 15. Yet I also lifted up my hand unto them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. So in that it's found twice, God is guaranteeing that the land he gave to them, to Israel, is the best land on earth. Twice it's found in the Bible. That's very important. The greatest uh, Israel will be in the last days. 
Deuteronomy 30, verse 5, And I, the Lord God, will bring thee into the land which thy father possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do good to thee, and will multiply thee above thy fathers. Means that this is a time when Israel is going to be the greatest, strongest, most powerful nation it has ever been. Well, there was a time when Israel was the greatest, strongest nation on earth in the days of Solomon. This is saying it's going to be bigger and better. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart. That means tear out all of the sin. And the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mast, that thou mayest live. Meaning, yes, there is going to be a great revival, but there's not going to be everyone Turn to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, not all of them will accept Jesus, but many. And by the way, oil is a large reason they turn to Jesus. And if I have anything to do, it's going to be a big reason. <laughs> and the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and upon them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. There's a day coming when the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. There's a scripture that says, Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I believe that that is close. I don't know, two years, three years, five years. I don't know that there's an X on the calendar. It may be until there's a certain amount of sin in this nation when God finally turns away from this nation to Israel. He hadn't told us that. Ezekiel 36, 6. Prophesy, therefore, concerning the land of Israel, and say unto the mountains and to the hills, O mountains of Israel, Ye shall shoot forth your branches. I believe that that means you shall shoot forth and squirt forth and gush forth oil and yield your fruit. Look, apples and oranges, they don't shoot forth. <laughs> I mean, maybe an orange will squirt a little bit, but not in terms of making the whole world fear and tremble, you see. That's crude oil. That's what are you talking about? And yield your fruit, the fruit of Israel, the fruit of Israel that's going to make Israel the wealthiest, strongest, most powerful nation on the earth. Crude oil. And yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. For, behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I ask Hayseed, Hayseed Stevens, one got me into this. And I'll talk about him more in a minute. So I asked Hayseed, I said, so tell me, where does it say that the oil is going to be turned away from the Arabs and turn to Israel. He quoted that verse. That's the one. See when it says, I am for you, and I will turn unto you. Now, yes, it means that God is going to turn his face and find, shine, on God, uh, shine upon him. Yes, it does mean that. But in light of what we've been talking about, in light of what it's been saying here, we believe it's also talking about turning the oil away from Israel's enemies back to Israel. Ezekiel 36.10, and I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited, and the wastes shall be builded. Now, I know, I know, I know. you could say, well, that, that's already been fulfilled. Well, certainly has to a certain degree, 
but not the full fulfillment. There's other scriptures, which I'm not getting into today, that says that every single Jew on the face of the globe will return home. Last verse, Ezekiel 39. Go check it out. There's other ones that says most all of the Christians will return and go to Israel. When Jesus returns, there's going to be basically two groups of people on earth. The sinners, and then one little place called Israel, where most of the believers are living. Verse 11, I will settle you after your old estates, meaning I'm going to bring you wealth like you used to have, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. So this is going to be Israel's greatest, most wealthiest, strongest time. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, meaning oil. I believe it's going to, there's other scriptures that says oil will play a large part in many people getting saved in Israel. Verse 12. Yea, I will cause men to walk upon you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess thee, and thou, the mountains of Israel is what it's talking about, shall be their inheritance. So it's saying that a lot of people are going to return to Israel, and Israel will be greatly blessed. Uh, Ezekiel 36.30. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field. Again, the olive trees, apple orchards, wheat, barley fields are not going to make all the world fear and tremble over Israel. But crude oil will. So I believe when it says increase of the field, it's referring to an oil field. An increase of the field. And you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Means, oh, okay, I'll, I'll share this with you too. <laughs> the thought kept occurring to me. What is it that would draw all of the Jews from around the world back to Israel? Okay, big call. Everybody come home? Uh, good luck with that one. So, <laughs> so what is it that would call all of the Jews, back to Israel. Hey, they found oil. Yeah, well, okay, that's nice. Here it is. You see there's 12 tribes. And the way they plan to do this is when this big oil discovery comes in, and you watch, this is what will happen too. They will equally spread the wealth among the 12 tribes. Now, all of these Jews spread around the globe. Some of them know they're Jews. Some of them may not. By the way, they can send in blood. They can tell them what percentage Jew they are, okay? So they'll find out. So they find out massive amounts of oil is discovered in Israel. And they start hearing that the Jews are getting monthly checks, large monthly checks. All you got to do is send in a little blood test, find out if you're Jewish. They can tell you what your monthly check is, but you got to live in Israel. <laughs> you will see Jews pack up from around the globe like Rats leaving a sinking ship except for their returning to a rising nation. Uh, unbelievable wealth. Unbelievable. There, so there you are. I, I wouldn't plan on telling you guys that, but that's another revelation that God spoke to my heart about what's going to happen. This is a map of Israel today. Yeah, that little bitty area, that's Israel. However, Bible says Israel is going to get back all of our land. That's from the Euphrates all the way up to the Nile, or all the way down to the Nile. And that's probably going to include all of Saudi Arabia. Why? Well, we know that Abraham was promised that God would give him all of the land that uh, his foot uh, stepped on. 
but he also gave that same promise to Moses. This is what the area is going to look like after victory in World War III with Israel. Genesis fifteen eighteen. The Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying unto thy seed, Have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates? Then Isaiah 43, 5 says, I will bring thy seed from the east, the west, the north, the south. Bring my sons and my daughters from the ends of the earth, every one that is called by my name. Isaiah 54, 2 says, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. So there you have it, brothers and sisters. By the way, this guy in the blue, he's not really holding his breath in. Too long, that is. <laughs> yeah, I can remember holding my breath in for that picture. Okay, so what are you looking at here? Ah, yes, my wonderful wife, Leslie, and me. A few years back when we sent a, a group of people, we took them on a tour in Israel. But in the background is actually the Valley of Jezreel. My opinion, this is probably going to be at least a part of uh, the Battle of Armageddon. One day, that valley will be filled with people attacking Israel. And in a moment... And the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, that's the seventh trump, the seventh trump as in of the trumpets, as in the seals, trumpets, and vials. And in a moment, in the evening he is, in the evening tide he is, in the morning they are not. One day, the day of the Lord is one day, and in one day Jesus will return with the armies in heaven, followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white, and you are God. If you have Jesus in your heart, Good chance you'll be there. Another picture of it. This is to the left you see the Russians, the Islamic allies will come down from the north. Then the kings of the east will come across the Euphrates River that God has arranged to be dried up. They will be heading south down to Jerusalem to join in to the final battle where Jesus destroys them all. This is a picture looking south down towards Jerusalem heading to the attack. Ezekiel 38.4 and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now let's get into the history of not oil in Israel. <laughs> I say not oil because there's been a lot of drilling. It's like a sponge. It's like a Swiss cheese over there, but they have not hit the big oil yet. I'm showing you a couple of maps. As you can tell, I've done a lot of research on this. The map to the left, you see those little black dots? Those are dry wells. The blue dots, not very many of them, are gas wells. Now, this is several years back. It's not real recent, but it hasn't changed much. Then the red dots are actually producing oil wells. The problem is most of them are dribbling, <laughs> not producing much at all. And then the green wells at this time were wells under drilling. Now, what do you notice? Lots of holes, not much producing, either gas or oil. The uh, map on the right is a little bit closer up. So I did some research. Since 1953, by the time I did this research a few years back, there had been 516 holes drilled in Israel, approximately. Today, only 20 of them produce oil and about 20 of them producing gas. 
Most of them are just little dribbles. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, that big gas well uh, discovery. Yep, we're going to talk about that. Isaiah 60, verse 5 says, Then shalt thou see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea, there you go, that's the gas that they discovered, shall be converted or turned over to you. The forces, as in the wealth, okay, the forces of the Gentiles shall come into thee. Then Deuteronomy 33, 19 confirms it. Again, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Deuteronomy 33, 19. They shall call the people under the mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. There they shall offer sacrifices, as in sacrifices of singing and praise, because these are the people that are Christians. For they shall suck the abundance of the seas and of the treasures hid in the sand. What treasures do you hide in sand? Not gold, not silver. Crude oil. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but they made that great big gas discovery. Yep, you're right. It's called the Tamar Gas Discovery. Here it is, October the 8th, 2008. Gas, Israel Gas Discovery, Mediterranean Sea. 50 years of natural gas, they said. Problem is, and there's a problem. Let's back up. First of all, the Bible predicted it. Yes, we know that 1451 B.C., some 3,460 years ago, it said that Israel will suck of the abundance of the seas. Deuteronomy 33, 18. 721 B.C., some 2,730 years ago, the Bible said, The abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. Isaiah 60, verse 5. Then, January 23rd of 2009, the headline reads, Israel finds natural gas reserve. Did they? Yeah, they did. (laughs) But there's a problem. Problem is, they're fussing over it. As a matter of fact, at last, uh, I haven't checked here recently, but last I heard, there still has not been one cubic foot of gas produced out of that field because of squabbling. Here's another article. Gas field near Haifa exceeds expectations again. Uh, the capacity of natural gas fields at the Tamar have ex- exceeded the most optimistic expectations. The natural gas reserves are 16% more than estimated. I have people send me an email and say, hey, 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 they found gas or they found oil. Yeah, well, I see this happen all the time in Israel. All of these big announcements. We found gas. We found oil. And then a few months later, you don't hear of it anymore. What happens? Well, you see, they want their stock prices to go up. Now, in America, if you do that, they will put you under the jail. You don't do that in America. That's the reason we don't hear it over here. But in Israel, eh, not so much. So the price goes up of the stock, there's no oil, and then everything goes quiet. We see this actually a lot, many times. Here's another article. Israel's super gas field is world's largest in 18 months. So where is it? Israel discovers new giant offshore oil and gas field. Now these are old articles. I needed not update them because the same thing's still happening. So... This is according to what I downloaded from the Israeli oil field site, straight from the state of Israel. And this was like, I think back in 2012, this is what the the gas and the oil picture looked in Israel. These are leased properties. Now, what you're looking at, and you can look at the legend, pause it if you want to, it's not important to me. These are areas where people have drilled, want to drill, or at least leased land to drill. This is before the big gas discovery. This is what announcing a big discovery will do. So then after the big discovery, this is what it looks like. 
Ta-da! <laughs> More, okay? So that's three months later after it's announced. How well? How how about today though? Look, yeah, see what happened. In other words, tank there. They say, oh, big discovery. They don't have it. Now, I'm not wishing them bad. I want to see Israel blessed. It's just that that's the way they conduct business. But we don't conduct business like that in America. And prophetic oil certainly does not tell people they found oil when they haven't. Okay. On the left is a Google map. All of those little black dots, I paid $850 to take information that I got from the nation of Israel, put it in through a processing, put that into Google map so that I could show you. All of those dots are where wells have been drilled. Now, in the program I have, I can double-click on one of those, and it'll pop out, tell me all the information about the name of the well, the name of the company, how deep they drilled, how long, what was the date, all of the information. But that's not the important thing. I just wanted to show you that these are how many wells have been drilled. But the interesting place, the interesting thing about it is... Uh, people will email me and say, aren't you worried about someone else discovering? No, uh, the whole point is for Israel to get the oil and the gas, not necessarily for us to be the one that discovers it. But the interesting thing is not one company is drilling where I want to drill, not one. And if I were to show you where I want to drill on there, where, where the Bible tells me, where the maps show me that it is, no one has drilled there. And I might add, no one has even come close to that point. See, in the natural, there's only two reasons why they wouldn't have already found the oil. Either they didn't drill in the right place, or they didn't drill deep enough, or a lot of cases, both. But then there's the third matter, and that is the hand of God. <laughs> if God want them, doesn't want them to discover it, they're not going to discover it. On the other hand, if a God can take someone that doesn't know anything about oil and take him over and let him find it, then that can happen too. Now let me tell you about the story about a good friend of mine. Uh... This is Reg Kapner and his wife, Della. This is from a news article that I got from them several years ago. And he says, a number of years ago, Della and I were introduced to Andy Sorrell. And Andy had grown up in the oil industry, gaining a reputation with Shell Oil Company, among others, for his unorthodox methods in finding oil. He went on in the article to say in the 70s, when he and Maxine were in Tel Aviv vacationing, he opened his Bible to a strange verse of Scripture. Let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Now, part of that, if you don't look that up in the Hebrew, then you misunderstand what I just said. But I've looked it up. And what you think that means and what that really means is two different things. And if you don't get the right meaning, you drill in the wrong place. And I might add, there's been a lot of people that looked at that verse and have drilled in the wrong place. But they didn't call me, ask me my opinion, but they call me. I'm not going to give it to them anyway. So anyway, he said, Lord, are you saying that there is oil in Israel? So he decided to look at an old biblical map. Problem is, this is the wrong map. An old biblical map to see where the ancient boundaries were for the tribes of Asher, the 12 tribes. Turns out that those boundaries made Asher look like a boot. The toe of the boot fell just south of present-day Haifa. Now, you look there on that map, on the left side, you see just towards the end of the point of that yellow, that's the toe. That's what they think. That's what Andy Sorrell went in that area drilling. Problem is, it's not, refer <laughs> it's not referring to the toe. 
Second problem is that's the wrong map. You don't get the right map. If God doesn't show you the right map, you're not going to find it. It has to be God's will. However, I think Andy did have a place in God's plan. He spread the vision about oil in Israel, like Hayseed Stevens had a place in God's plan. They were not wasting their time and their money because today oil in Israel is a very big deal. Thanks to Hayseed, Andy Sorrell, and a few other people like that. Going over there and drilling a dry well was not necessarily a bad thing. It casts the vision, you understand. Now, let's go on. More about the story of Andy Sorrell. You see the little blue square with the yellow arrow pointing toward it. That's exactly the place where Andy Sorrell drilled. Andy decided to spend some of his own fortune and do some test drillings. Andy was granted a drilling permit and in 1979 began drilling at the very edge of the geographical toe, what he believes is toe. It's not the toe, but what he believes is toe. At the River of Crocodiles, that's where he drilled. Andy used some experimental sounding equipment. They realized that they were sitting on top of a world-class find. The pool extended out under the Mediterranean for more than a 100 miles. It traveled through a fault line under the city of Haifa, across northern Israel, gradually rising in Jordan and reaching into Iraq. Turns out this pool of oil was the primary source of the oil for some of the Middle East major oil-producing countries. Stan, what's your comment on that? <laughs> Looking in the wrong place. <laughs> okay, so we're going to believe the sounding equipment, or we're going to believe the voice of God. God showed Leslie where the flow of oil flows underneath Israel, and it weren't there. Not there. Not there. It's not there. Another thing I should say that, hey, Seed Stevens told me that oil has a DNA also. And he tested the oil out of Israel, got the DNA, and then he tested all of the oil of the nations all around Israel. He said they all have the same DNA, meaning that they all come from the same deep source. He believed that that source is underneath Israel. And he believed that when Israel does strike oil, it will begin to lower the wellhead pressures until finally the other nations surrounding Israel won't have any more oil. On with the article. After 13 months of drilling, they struck at 20,328 feet. That's important. Remember that. That is the deepest well ever drilled in Israel. 20,328 feet. How deep you want to drill, Stan? Deeper than that. <laughs> That's going to be considered shallow because we plan to take a really big rig capable of drilling to 40,000 feet and we will drill and hit or we will hit 40,000 feet, one or the other. We aren't stopping. We aren't going over and drilling some squirrely little 4,000-foot well or 8,000-foot, okay? It's going to be 40,000 or bust. Anyway, after 13 months of drilling, they struck oil at 20,328 feet. The oil was so pure, it was the color of honey. There it is. Looks like oh, still at me. Didn't put that lid on right there. I have to put it in a new jar. It's dripping all over me. And by the way, it is very uh, um, flammable. I mean, it's it's a lot of that is gasoline. If I let, I have friends come over, and I let them outside. What do you smell? Oh, kerosene. Okay, now smell closer. What else do you smell? Diesel and gasoline. I see. Yep, because that's crude oil. 
Crude oil has that and a whole lot more. This is actually very valuable because, again, it's light viscosity. If it was thick like tar, more processing, not as much energy, you see. Well, that's the kind of oil he pulled out of there. Now, let's go on with the story. This is all of the detailed research I've done about it. It might get a little boring, so I'll just skip on by that. And and I'm going to pause right here. Let me tell you what happened. The rest of the story with that particular well was Andy Sorrell, unfortunately, killed the well by an accident. Uh, again, the hand of God. They dropped a 300-foot string of pipe down the well. Now, some 2,328 feet deep, That's I need to calculate it up, but that's a couple of miles. So try to imagine the weight of a 300-foot-long string of pipe. So that's like a giant needle, okay? And it falls for a mile or two. Try to imagine how fast that's going. So by the time it hits the bottom of that well, it goes down really deep into solid rock. Well, they fished means they got down and they grabbed a hold of it with all their instruments and they pulled with all of the, the might that they possibly could with all of their strength, all their diesel engines, all that sort of stuff, and they couldn't pull it out. So it killed the well. But the point is, it proved that there's oil in Israel. It proved that it is yellow crude oil, and I believe it's the honey that God said, get you up, I'm sending you in a land that flows with milk and honey. Hosea 1.1. 1, 1. These are some of the promises that God gives through prophesying through names. Now, let's read it. Hosea 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord that came into Hosea, and the Lord said unto Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms. For the land hath committed a great whoredom, departed from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, which conceived and bare him a son, and the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, meaning God sows. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of, Je of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel, and she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Loharumaha, meaning no mercy. For I will have no mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Now when she had weaned Loruhama, pronouncing it correct, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loamimi, which means not my people. For you are not my people. Now, let's add that together. So he says, God sows no mercy, not my people. So the word is, through the names of their children, God was sending a message to Israel that he was not pleased with them. Now there's more. So what it means is God sows no, no mercy, not, not my people, or I'm not going to show you any mercy. You are no longer my people. Another example. So Andy Sorrell, back to Andy Sorrell. <clears throat> he was visited by a group of rabbis and professors from Jerusalem University. Mr. Sorrell, they said. We think you need to see what we've discovered. They showed Andy their discoveries in the Torah. Once it became clear that Asher's oil was petroleum and not olive oil, it cast some new light on translations of the Hebrew text. They said, Mr. Sorrell, you are the fulfillment of Scripture. In First Chronicles seven thirty, verse 39, by the way, Mr. Sorrell is dead now. 
So he didn't fulfill this, but there's, that's not the point I'm trying to make. In 1 Chronicles 7:30 verse 30 verse 39 are the names of the 43 children of Asher. Each of their names is a prophecy, a promise from God. Put the translation from Hebrew of each of the names together in succession as they are recorded in scripture and it comes out like this. A foreign association shall come together and shall sink a shaft in Asher, using a cutting tool for cutting hard formations, and will go through a mountain or a high place, and liquid pitch, that's crude oil, will come forth as a man vomiting, and Asher will be able to lend to his brothers, and Israel will become preeminent amongst nations. Well, you can't change that. That can't be an accident. So, First Chronicles seven, thirty through thirty nine is a prophecy, but there's more. This is First Chronicles seven thirty through forty. If you take all of those names, these are what they those names mean. You got to take a couple of pages to get them. No need in reading through them. And then, if you put all of those words together, these are actually the words: happy right hand. He will assemble. He resembles me with a friend, the prince breathed, comrade. Well, I took and I double-checked the work of those rabbis to see if they were correct. I disagreed. According to what I researched up, this is the way that sentence should really read. Jesus, who calls Israel his friend. You see, the, the rabbis wouldn't see Jesus in that, okay? So that changes everything. Jesus, who calls Israel his friend. The prince of peace will breathe on his friend Israel whose God is the king, and will provide oil in a time of leanness. He will remove the keeper of the seal, which has caused the wealth to be cut off to the circumcised. So speaking to you, because of oil, my brother Esau will cry out, meaning his well maybe dries up, will cry out because the hidden oil has exalted me, Above him. He will hit the restrained breadth with strong labor, drilling a well in bitter times, hitting a remote fortress of gold splendor, honey crude oil, in the desert giving him a strong advantage. A well will shoot forth slime in abundance, crude oil. He will turn toward the disappearance of the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus. The yoke, or the financial bondage, will be removed because of a traveler favored of God in whom is his delight. Was that talking about me? You know, as I'm studying this, it's like, you know, that sounds like a really arrogant thought. I mean, we even think of that. Okay, so let's talk about Spindletop a minute. Spindletop made America. God used oil to make America great. Here's the story of Spindletop. January 10th, 1901, a fellow by the name of Anthony Lucas hit a very large pool of oil. A geyser. The oil gushed into the air some 260 feet, blew out all of the the pipe up in the air had it scattered every place. You can see it on the, the picture there. This is the actual picture of that oil well. 
took him nine days to stop the oil gushing out of it. But not before the whole world heard about it. A big producer used to be 50 barrels a day. This was gushing at 80,000 barrels a day. Unbelievable. More than all of the other U.S. wells combined at the time. And you want to multiply that out $80,000 at $100 a barrel? That means it's pulling in about $8 million a day. And that's when a dollar meant something. That's when you could take a dollar down and you can cash it in for, I don't know, a whole ounce of gold. Um, or a month brought in $240 million from one well. That started America's turnaround from being a farming nation to being an industrial house of power as we are today. This is a picture three months later. Some 200 rigs owned by 100 different oil companies piling in together to pump that oil. Oil made America great, and I believe the same thing is coming for Israel. I might also add December 21 of 2017, when America stood up in the United Nations and said that Israel, that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and you're not stopping it, and we are moving our embassy to Jerusalem, and you're not stopping that either. That same day, the Anwar was opened up. And according to what Lindsey Williams was told, it is more oil than if that was the only oil America was producing or buying. It's more oil than America can burn in the next 200 years just on the north slope of Alaska. You bless Israel, you get blessed. Let's go on. Oil made America great. These are just some of the companies that got their start there that became great powerhouses because they were there at the right time and the hand of God blessed them. What would be the effects? Well, before, lamps and lubrication was the only thing that oil was used for. But afterward, it's airplanes, automobiles, trains. So what would an Israel gusher do? i tell you what it's going to do. It's going to finance the gospel and prophetic warning, build up of Israel's military, believers going to Israel. It's going to finance a lot of things. Oil will make Israel great again. Now let's talk about Moses at the burning bush. So Exodus 3.8, you remember the story. God called him there and said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. He says, I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land, a good land flowing with a land flowing with milk and honey. Now is he talking about that kind of milk <laughs> to the left? Or is he talking about natural gas? And to a land flowing with milk and honey. You look up the word flowing, the strongest reference number 2100. It's interpreted only three times as gushing out. You look up the word milk. It's interpreted 42 time, two times as the richness of cattle. 2461 is derived from 2459, meaning sometimes it's referred to as fat. As in, it could be interpreted milk or also a grease product. So I looked up the word honey. Strong's reference number 1706 translated 72 times as honey. So honey means honey. But milk can also mean grease, as in crude oil. Flowing can also mean gushing. Hmm. So what is the milk and honey? Two scriptures say milk and honey will come from a rock. To suck money out of the honey, the rock, money out of the rock, you see it. Uh, two scriptures say it will come from deep in the earth. Well, do you get bee honey from deep in the earth? No. 
See, that's part of the problem. People over there drilling all those wells, and they're drilling down to the standard test depth. I mean, tandr- standard test drip, standard test depth for a well in West Texas is about four thousand. Mm, sometimes even eight thousand. And most of them are testing down to eight thousand. Problem is, Bible says it's deep. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to go to eight thousand. I'm going to forty thousand. I don't think I'll have to drill that deep. Matter of fact, I think I know the depth, but that's classified. <laughs> But the point is, we're going to drill deep. What comes from deep in the ground? What looks like honey? What makes a nation wealthy? What causes nations to bow down and to fear and tremble a nation? Answer, crude oil. (coughs) There's five basic colors of crude oil. There's black, tea, red, green, yellow. Let's explore them. First of all, the black, okay, that's what everybody's familiar with. That's what they squirt on the roads, make all the asphalt asphalt highways with. Then there's tea colored. Now that's actually a picture of my tea colored crude oil. I maybe should have gone out in the garage and brought it in, held it up like this to show you I got some of that too. But the reason they call it tea colored is because you put it in glass, it looks like tea. It looks like tea. And stuff I have is, oh, that's actually a sample of it. It looks like tea. That's the reason Beverly Hillbillies had that little uh, phrase in their opening uh, uh, song where it says, um, Shooting at some crude, at some uh, up came some bubbling crude, uh, Texas tea. Well, no, it's talking about crude oil. It's talking about Texas tea is, as in crude oil that looks like tea. Then there's the red crude oil. This is a sample I got from the Deepwater Horizon back in September of 2010. was squirting this out in the ocean. And this is red. So there's also red and there's also green. I've got a sample of green crude oil now. It looks pretty much the same as you look at that picture there, but you take that, you hold it up to the light, spin it around a little bit, and you'll see a green hue off of it. But you put a little water in there, let that foam up, and and shake it, and it's really green. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) it's green. However, the thing we're concerned about is the yellow crude oil. Again, this is my sample of yellow crude oil. So you have seen a real live sample on video, anyway, of yellow crude oil, most valuable crude oil on Earth. Now let's talk about the price. As I've been saying all along, if it's thick and heavy like tar, not very valuable. But when it's light like this, and that's some of my yellow crude oil that I got out of West Texas, by the way, uh, then that's very high dollars. Here's another picture of me. Uh, haven't changed a bit, right? <laughs> well, I was actually shocked to see all the gray hair when I took that picture. It's even worse now. <laughs> anyway, gushing out grease and honey-colored crude oil. Now let's talk briefly about those maps, but I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm not releasing classified information. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to drill. I'm not going to tell you which is the correct map, but I'm going to show you some of the wrong ones. <laughs> and, you know, you, you got it's got to be rev, by revelations, okay? It's, it's, it's God has to be in it, or you're not going to find it. So anyway, here's a couple of wrong maps. And you see on the left, seeing kind of the center of that where it says Mount Carmel, and then Asher kind of looks like a boot, and it kind of looks like a toe. And so that's the reason they drilled there. That's not the correct place. Then on another place over here, you see Asher doesn't even look anything like any kind of a boot or a shoe or anything like that. And I could go through and show you all of the ways it's just not right, but it's just not even close. And I can also show you the scripture that when I go through the scripture and I show you, you're going to be going, <gasps> 
Wow, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I see the difference. Yeah, there's a difference. Here's another couple of wrong maps. If you look at Absher on the one on the left, doesn't look anything like a foot. Uh, Asher on the right, still doesn't look anything like a foot. Uh, that's only one of the characteristics. There's actually five. I'll tell you that there's five characteristics you look at uh, to find the correct map. And none. There's about 30 maps uh, on, on the Internet. I've found about 30 of them. Uh, 29 of them are wrong. There's only one map that's correct. Now, you're probably getting thirsty for the rest of the information. So this one is just kind of an update. If you want the whole story, then I'd recommend you get these three DVDs, Prophecies of Oil in Israel, More Prophecies of Oil in Israel, and Asher's Secret Prophecy of Oil in Israel. How come you made three DVDs? Because I, th <laughs> I thought I knew it all in the first one, and then all of a sudden more information kept coming. So I had to make a second one, thought I knew all of it after two of them, and I didn't. So I still found some more revelations. So it's all the story is in three DVDs. And uh, I don't even know the price. Go to prophecyclub.com. They can make arrangements for you to get them. Now, let me tell you some personal promises that I believe God has given me. Again, it wasn't my idea to go and do this. January 1988 is where my life really began to turn around. December the 7th, 1987 was when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was a big turnaround. But about 30 days later, I went to a full gospel businessman meeting, January 1988. Went forward for prayer. I'm going to abbreviate the story. Charles Doss grabbed my hands, said, put your hands up, son. Lord has a special double blessing for you, a double anointing. You're going to be a soul winner. You're going to save thousands on thousands. The Lord wants you to know that all of your sins have been forgiven. That was the start. 30 days later, God arranged for me to meet Demetri Dudem. And shortly after that, Henry Gruber in 1993, God started me, had called me to start Prophecy Club. And not, you can read all of this. I'm not going to read all the details because, frankly, if I read all the details, it sounds kind of arrogant and... I don't need to So if you want the details, you can read the details. But basically, this is a prophecy where the angel visited Dimitri Dudem on October 31st, and specifically part of what he said there in the big yellow letters, you tell Stan that if he would do what God has laid on his heart to do, God will bless him more than he ever thought possible. Well, I think he's already done that. But could that involve oil? Then Leslie had a dream. Situation is here. We had reached a new low since we've gone even lower. <laughs> but we had reached a new low in our finances at the Prophecy Club. It's all a test. It's all a test. And uh, God, uh, Leslie prayed and said, Lord, is it time for me to just tell Stan to just close Prophecy Club and go get a job? Well, that night, she got an answer. She said she started hearing the audible voice of God speak, and she started seeing a hand write. Actually, correction, she didn't see the hand. She only saw the red writing, okay? And she said it was so loud, she jumped out of bed. So to get the picture, she's standing beside the bed. She continues to hear the voice speak in her ear. She continues to see the writing in red. Called her in here before I was making this, showed her a bunch of different fonts. I said, tell me, which font looked the most like what you saw? And she said, that one. So this is the font she said looks the most like. But here's the point. It said, just as I did for David, 
I delivered him out of the hand of his fowler. I will do for you, I the Lord saith so. So I feel like I have a guarantee from God, <laughs> a guarantee he's going to get me out of the financial hole. How? Well, I think that there's a good possibility it has to do with the oil. But now remember my disclaimer. Cannot guarantee that we're ever going to drill for or hit oil in Israel. And we're not selling any kind of securities. We're not offering any kind of stock. We're just, this is a spiritual discussion about Bible prophecy and how I relate to it. Period. That's all it is. So when is God's time to actually give this oil to Israel? Good question. June 28th, excuse me, June 2008. After we had uh, decided to start Prophetic Oil, uh, that's another story, uh, I set up an 18-city speaking tour. After speaking in Amarillo that night, I prayed, and I said, Lord, I hope you're pleased with what we're doing, because it's not going so good. You know, As you know, we're uh, spending $3,500 per city and advertising, and not many people showing up and getting saved. I hope you're pleased. Well, I went to sleep, and that night, I mean, I heard words. I can't imagine the devil saying this, so I have to assume it's God. And I heard, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. Well, I answered back. I said, the oil well in Israel? <laughs> there was no answer. He's like, son, I've said all I'm going to say. If you don't know, then you don't know. So, again, I have some good reasons why I believe it's going to happen. So I've read these. I'll leave it up for you to read, but I've already read through these earlier, so I'll just pop through it real quick here. These are some of the prophecies that Leslie has been given, and they have to do with Israel. They have to do with oil in Israel. So I will let you read them. Headlines, the fall of America. Israel refuses help to America. Omar ushers in Palestinian state. Catastrophe hits America. One of America's greatest times of need. Israel's attacked. America sends troops to Israel, sends troops. These are the seven headlines leading to the fall of America. Chaos reigns as Americans protest help to Israel. Then she heard my voice quoting Dimitri Dudeman. The fall of America will start with an internal revolution started by the communists. <clears throat> now, this is the order I think that they will take place in. But then that's just a guess. We do not know the order and I want to make that plain. Okay, let's talk about the discovery of oil in Israel and is it associated with Israel given the Palestinians a state? Well, if you read those, probably. Now, I talk a lot about this in my first DVD. This is July 2003 at the time. I had no idea that God was going to call me to start an oil company. And a lot of things I said in this DVD are really prophetic uh, and now I look back on them and say, wow, I know what that meant. <laughs> now I know what it means now. I didn't know what it meant then. But a lot of it is very important. Again, if you want to know the story of oil in Israel, these are the DVDs to get. And I've already talked to you briefly about those DVDs. Okay, now the next big question is, does oil flow in rivers? A good friend of mine says, no, oil does not flow in rivers. It's down there. There's a finite amount. You pump it out and it goes dry. But again, we've kind of discussed that. I don't believe that. I think it does. Job 29.6, when I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured me out rivers of oil. I believe that oil does flow in rivers. So why hasn't the big oil been discovered in Israel? Well, the natural reason is either they didn't drill deep enough or in the right place. 
But there's a spiritual reason, and Psalms 81.13-16 through 16 gives the spiritual their real reason. Oh, that my people had hearkened to me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. But their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and of honey out of the rock, should I have satisfied thee. Now I think verse 16 says two things. It says that when it's talking about wheat fields, it ain't talking about wheat fields when it says fields. In other words, if God wants to say wheat fields from this scripture, he says wheat fields. But if he wants to talk about oil fields, he doesn't always say oil fields. Here it says with honey out of the rock, should I have satisfied them? So, why hasn't Israel discovered the big oil? Because she hasn't turned to Jesus enough. None of them, not all of them, there was never going to be a time when they all turned to Jesus, even after Armageddon, someone will be swept away in the burning. Does God speak in dreams? A lot of people, surprisingly, well, believe he does. Well, they probably don't believe in the Bible either, but if you believe in the Bible, you've got to believe in this. Job thirty-three fifteen in a dream... In a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction. Meaning, God guides people through dreams. Other ways too, but he certainly speaks through dreams. Well, I had a dream. December 16, 2002. I'll never forget. I'll tell you this one. So, as I was falling off to sleep... I remember saying it out loud. I thought about it before I said it. I said, um, Lord, I just want to say that I love you more than I love my wife, my children, my life, more than the very beat of my heart, more than ministry, more than anything. In Jesus' name and fell off to sleep. Well, boy, I said something. So... (laughs) Very, because in the middle of the night, it's the very first time I hear, ever heard the voice of God. And this is what I heard. I am giving you part of the harvest from the seeds sown by Billy Graham. Then a piece of paper, two foot by two foot, was up above me. And then a sword held it with two hands like this. Sword, long, but it was very light. It was like a, a fire sword. Sword appeared on my hand. And I took the sword and I cut off about a third of that paper. As I cut that paper off, that one third, and it just peeled down like that, it just turned to a waterfall, the part that had been cut off. And I believe what it was saying is that I'm going to give you about the third the number of souls as I gave Billy Graham. I know that's a a pretty big statement, having just buried Billy Graham, America's pastor, America's greatest evangelist. But... God does set above people to do his work, even the basest of men. And I'm one of those. As Daniel said, uh, it's not for any wisdom I have more than any living, but so that these people can know the dream. Let's go on. Then I had another dream. Now, the interesting part of this dream is this is May 6th, 2003. This is associated with the death of Hayseed. On this dream, I was standing on an oil drum teaching prophecy to a group of people. Standing on an oil drum, meaning what is going to finance me teaching Bible prophecy is oil. On top was a spigot 
oil financing, oil finance, soul winning. <coughs> then Hayseed died May 15th of 2002. He was my friend. He was an oil man, uh, full-time oil man, part-time pastor at a Willow Park, Texas, just west of uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. <clears throat> that night, the day he was, that, that morning we buried him, that afternoon, that evening I had this dream that I was driving around in an SUV looking for another place to drill another oil well. Details are on some of those other DVDs. Had another dream, January 26, 2003, where I was sliding off of a mountain into extreme wealth. So you may be saying, well, why you? In other words, why me, Stan? Well, this is uh, the angel speaking to Dimitri Dudeman. I believe this has a lot to do with it. Fall of America will start with an internal revolution. Started by the communists. Some of the people will start fighting against the government. The government will be busy with internal problems. Then from the oceans, Russia, Cuba, Nicaragua, Central America, Mexico, and two of the countries will attack and defeat America. And it's because I carry that message. God wants that message not only to America, but he wants that message to go around the world. And he knows I am willing and called to do that. And so that's why a lot of this is going to happen. And I'll let you read the rest of it there if you want to. So how did I get in the oil business? (laughs) The story is this. 1998, the Prophecy Club put Hayseed on a speaking tour, which he says gave life into his vision to find oil in Israel. God did not, however, tell Hayseed to drill for oil in Israel. Never did. He did not he, uh, he did not tell Hayseed he was going to be given the money to drill or that he would find, or Hayseed was simply, in my opinion, his job was to cast the vision. And up to that point, that's kind of my job too. However, I do believe that he has told me that I will be given the money, and in other dreams he has hinted that we will hit the oil. Again, remember my disclaimer. April 30th, 1984, Hayseed visited Menachem Begin. <clears throat> where he said that the Lord spoke to his heart said the world's largest oil field is located at the southwest end of the Dead Sea. This is our newsletter where we put him on the Ten City Speaking Tour. This is a picture of his uh, ranch there. And this is a prophecy he was given, which I will move on. And I will move on past that. So in 1982, Hayseed Stevens visited Menachem Beg in 1985. A drill bit turned into an iron fist at the bottom of a well, and they had to abandon the well. That's Hayseed doing that. 1995, Hayseed started another oil company, him and another team of people. May 16, 2003, Hayseed dropped dead of a heart attack. And in 2007, I was asked to begin become president and CEO of a new oil company. 2007, I was asked to start a new oil company to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. January 1, 2008, Prophetic Oil was formed. What happened was, <clears throat> Wednesday evening, November the 27th of 2007, this is when Bush, Omer, and Abbas shook hands, there's a picture of it, and announced and signed an agreement to give the Palestinians a state by the end of 2008. That next day, I got a call. I got a call. The lady was uh, introducing me to Hayseed's old attorney. And he told me all about it. They tried to talk me into doing this oil well thing. Well, I said, probably not, but I'll pray about it. So that night, this was my prayer. 
I prayed. I said, Lord, you know, I don't have any extra $5,000 laying around to give that attorney to start some oil company. So if you want me to do it, simple. Send me the money. In Jesus' name. If there's a prayer I didn't think made it through the ceiling, it was that one. But the next day, a phone called in, came in, and lady called, wants to talk to you about oil in Israel. My exact response was, why does these people keep calling me? I don't have anything to do with oil in Israel. Well, she's been a faithful $50 a month partaker now for over 10 years. I think you ought to call her. Well, I was going to call her anyway, but of course, now I'm obligated. So <clears throat> I called her. Thank you for calling. The reason I asked you to call is because two nights ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to give you $30,000 to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. My exact response was, well, fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I explained to her what's going on. She th- sent the check, check cashed. We started Prophetic Oil Company. In other words, I didn't call the radio station and say, can I start a radio program on Bible prophecy? They called me and asked me to start one. I didn't call some attorney and ask him to form me an oil corporation. I was going to gather the funds to go drill me a well in Israel. He called me. This is all God's idea, not my idea. So, why you, Stan Johnson? I'll give you a few possible reasons. For one, God set up over the basis of men, of whom I'm chief, the basis of men, I am a minister, prophecy teacher. I believe the prophecies of oil for Israel. I want to tell Israel that this is the fulfillment of his promise to give Israel the milk and honey. That's significant. I believe we're in the last days, that America is the mystery of Babylon. I know that there is not going to be a pre-mid, pre-wrath rapture going to save anyone. That Jesus returns one more time to destroy the tares. I'm a soul winner. I dug out. Over 30 scriptures that prove oil will be found in Israel. And I believe I carry the mantle of Hayseed and Dimitri to the world. I believe that Israel will be attacked to start World War III. It will be victorious. Get back all over land from Euphrates to the Nile. Christian Jews will move to Israel. Israel will become one of the world's strongest, richest, wealthiest, strongest nations. Massive amounts of oil will be discovered in Israel. Bible prophecy along with the gospel will win thousands upon thousands of souls in the last days. This is a dream I'll skip, but I'll let you read it. A dream about how God confirmed to me that one of my calls is to carry the message of Demetri Dudeman. I think I also carry the message of Hayseed Stevens. I had a dream telling me to, quote, put the verse that I'd removed back in the oil presentation. So let me tell you that story. First of all, this was the verse. <clears throat> Now, let me tell you the story first. So I was making a a DVD to talk about oil in Israel, and I had put this set of verses in there. I thought, nah, 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 nah. This this sounds too arrogant, too much like pointing a finger at me. Uh, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to pull that out. Well, that night I had a dream. And in the dream, I was told to put that verse back in that I'd taken out. Well, I was out of town at the time, so I had to wait back until I got back home, and I looked at my notes. This is the verse that I had taken out. So then I had to say, wow, that must be pretty important. So what is in the verse that's important? Let's read it. Here's the situation. Solomon had just finished building the temple. He's dedicating it. Lord bless Israel. If they stray away, bring them back, and this sort of thing. He's on his knees, hands raised up. And in the middle of this long blessing to Israel, all of a sudden he takes a rabbit trail. And he says this. 
More, this is 1 Kings 8.41. Moreover, concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake, when he shall come and pray towards this house, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all the people of the earth may know thy name to fear thee. Hmm. Well, what I thought was interesting is because eight months before I was called and asked to form the prophetic oil company, I'd taken this picture. Remember, I told you we had gone to Israel. We had taken a group of people over there on a tour. Well, I just finished making prayer closet, and I wanted to have a picture. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, at the time, I didn't know why. But I handed my picture to somebody, and I said, uh, I'm going to go over and pray. Like for you to take a picture of me praying at the Western Wall. Now, as you can see, most people either sit down or they stand up. I went over and got on my knees and I prayed. And I remember the prayer. And the reason I remember the prayer, because I've been praying the same five point prayer for years. And that is, Lord, give me the money and the open doors to take your soul winning in time gospel to the world. That's what I prayed sitting there. Sunday, March 18th, 2007, 6.48.46 p.m. was on the camera. Eight months later, I was asked to start Prophetic Oil. What did I pray for? <clears throat> Give me the money, the open doors, to take your end time, soul winning gospel, to the world. That prayer started the answer eight months later. Now let's look at that verse a little bit closer. Moreover, concerning a stranger. And as I began to read that, I began to say, hey, I mean, it's like supernaturally. I mean, I saw my name in the word stranger. Am I a stranger from a far country? Well, I don't live in Israel. I think America's a far country. So I'll qualify to the first part. Now, I'm not saying I'm the only one. But I am saying I do fit these qualifications. Moreover, concerning a stranger or stand that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country, America, for thy name's sake, Thousands upon thousands. When he shall come and pray towards this house, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. Why? That all of the earth may know thy name. Lord, give me the money and the open doors to take your end time, sow any gospel to the world. Same five things all fit there. <clears throat> so I saw Stan. I'm not saying I'm the only one. But I think it is fair to say I do fit. Then I had another dream. <clears throat> Essentially, it's telling me what to do. One of the things we want to do is to go over and pray over the five locations. Let me back up. The three locations. Pray over the three locations where I want to take the drilling rigs and drill. This tells you all about it. I'll let you read it. And I've covered that. Lord, give me the finance of the open doors to take your end time soul winning gospel around the world. <clears throat> so here's my summary. I believe that the Bible says, all of these 30 verses, in, in essence it says, in the last days, I will give the hidden treasures of yellow crude oil sucked deep from the rock of Israel. I will cause the nations to fear and tremble Israel when the wealth the milk and honey promised is given to Moses. I will build the waste cities, making Israel the glory of all lands, returning you to your former estate of wealth. 
Here's 19 reasons why I believe oil is in Israel. I'll let you read through them. So what is your plan? Our plan is to take a really big rig. Lots bigger than the picture you're looking at here. Again, the one we plan to take is, it says 30,000 feet, but uh, probably get one that can drill to 40,000 feet because I don't want to be limited. About four blocks square at the base, base, 22 stories tall, 120 18-wheel trucks to move it, four diesel engines to power it. Once it hit, Hayseed's plan was to let it gush for 48 hours and catch the oil. I don't think that's what we will do, but that's what he planned to do. He wanted to show the world that Israel has oil, whereas I want to keep it as silent and secret as possible because there's already going to be all the world coming after the oil. They don't need to have proof that it is there. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for being a part of Prophecy Club and Prophetic Oil. God bless.